Darkness lay over Washington, darkness that was a smothering black blanket ripped apart by sinister knife blades of lightning. A jagged streak empurpled the sky. It bathed the dome of the Capitol at the end of Pennsylvania Avenue. It etched the classic columns of the White House in lurid silhouette. Thunder rolled in like a savage war drum. When it died away, echoes raced across the mall toward the distant ghostly spire of the monument. Trees moaned in the night wind. Rain lashed the empty streets in chill torrents. The city seemed deserted. Its residents had taken refuge in their snug homes. They were ignorant of the strange, secret conference in session at the State, War, and Navy building. They were unaware of the nerve-wracking tension that filled a locked and windowless room where seven men sat. Five of these men were United States senators. One was a cabinet member close to the president. The seventh was an army officer attached to general staff. The army officer was concluding an amazing speech. He stared from face to face of the tense circle around him. Let me repeat, he said, that the discovery of Dr. Browning's just before his death was quite accidental. His life was given to the study of radioactive substances. He was an authority on radium, thorium, and uranium. It was a radium-induced cancer that sent him to an early grave. But the destructive possibilities of radioactivity didn't concern him. He was interested only in its therapeutic effects. The young officer paused, cleared his throat, and fingered the papers on the table before him. When Dr. Browning sensed the sinister powers of the ray amplification mechanism he had built, he was profoundly shocked. To make sure that his fears had a basis in fact, he tested the mechanism on animals. He found that it caused complete and permanent paralysis of all nerve centers. He found that it turned living things into horrible hulks, with a bare spark of life still remaining. He found, moreover, that it was effective at a great distance— he was about to destroy it when he was stricken by death himself. Fortunately, the United States government saw fit to confiscate the mechanism and the blueprint plans. The army officer sat down abruptly. In spite of the chill of the room, beads of sweat glistened on his forehead. He wiped them away and his hands shook nervously. A peal of thunder boomed far off on the horizon like deep-toned mocking laughter. The gray-haired cabinet member at the table's head rose. For a moment he, too, stared at the five senators. Then he spoke in a voice that seemed unnaturally dry. "'You've heard Captain Nelson's testimony, gentlemen. You've heard reports and seen statistics showing what the mechanism of Browning's can do. There's no question, gentlemen, but that the United States has in its possession one of the most terrible offensive weapons on the face of the earth. A weapon, let me remind you, so ghastly, so inhuman.' that it appears to be outside the pale of civilized warfare. The purpose of this meeting is to decide whether or not this weapon should be preserved or destroyed. What are your feelings in this matter, gentlemen? For a moment there was silence, punctuated only by the faint footfalls of the armed guard outside and the muffled rumble of the thunder. The senators were grappling mentally with the appalling horror of what they had learned. They were visioning armies going down under the force of an invisible ray, visioning strong men being turned into paralyzed, corpse-like wrecks, men speechless, motionless, yet still alive, legions of the living...